just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. It is Wednesday. Just a heads up, I'm all warmed up for this podcast. I just spent an hour and a half with uh, Dewey. He was the guest on the last show. And he has a podcast called The Dewey Show. He did my show. I said, yeah, I'll do your show. So I think it's well worth the listen. Dewey does a good show, and and I'm there. What the fuck more do you want? (laughs) No, but check out the Dewey Show. It's it, it it's it's a good show. Before we get into things here, I've got some emails and such. I want to talk about this, and I feel I feel kind of embarrassed talking about this because um, so many other people, other parts of the country, have struggled with weather conditions. The Northeast, the West Coast, uh, and now I'm going to whine about the storm that's going to hit us head on here in the Midwest. It's a monster winter storm headed toward the upper Midwest. Uh, We got some snow on Tuesday, maybe a couple of inches, but it's going to be blizzard conditions and bitterly cold temperatures. They're talking like two feet of snow in three days. And uh, they're saying this could affect maybe as many as 40 million Americans. The storm began around midday yesterday and was to continue through Thursday morning in parts of the Dakotas, Nebraska, Minnesota, Iowa, and Wisconsin. There are winds that apparently are gusting to 50 miles per hour, wind chills as low as minus 50 degrees some places. Now, this snowfall could be historic, even though we're accustomed to heavy snow here. They're saying as much as 25 inches may pile up, and I'm not sure what part of that storm system that's going to be but they're saying here in the uh, twin cities metro area could be up to two feet of snow now i will tell you that is fucked up but it is not the worst we've seen here we had a uh, snowstorm back in 1991 on halloween october 31st of all times that was very early but we got 28 inches of snow and that was fucked up Now, they're saying anywhere from 14 to 19 inches where I'm at, it could go to 25 or it could be less than that. I don't know. I just get very tired of of winter and snow and cold. I was born and raised here. This isn't anything new to me. I'm not especially scared or worried about it. Um, But it is a pain in the ass to deal with. Now, for me, I will sit here in my living room or in my bedroom, and I won't move. I won't go outside in this. And even if I did, I've driven in enough where it doesn't really worry me. But I tell you what does worry me. Um, What worries me is my sons, my daughter-in-law, my grandkids, if they have to be on the roads, even for a short time, that that is problematic for me. Not because I'm worried about them being crazy, but there are so many crazy drivers out there, and it, it is a dangerous situation. I tell people, having been a traffic reporter for many, many years and seeing storms come through, just don't drive in this shit. My, my, I'm talking to my wife, and uh, uh, 
She's supposed to be at work at the airport on Thursday. It's a part-time job. She's retired. She doesn't even need the job. She goes, well, I can probably make it in. I go, no, you're not going to fucking make it in. Well, I could get in trouble or a point against me if I don't go in. I go, okay. I would rather have you get a point than get yourself in trouble or get involved in an accident or get stuck in a ditch. No, you're not going in. Now, when it comes to arguments with my wife, I rarely win. But this one I'm going to push on because I don't want her driving in this shit. Nobody should be driving in this shit. Let's let it go by. Let's let it happen. People are freaking out because they got to be locked down for a few days, a couple of days. Let's remember, we were locked down for two years. We can fucking handle this. I went up to the grocery store and everybody's freaking out. Things are flying off the shelf. It's like we're having a supply chain uh, event again. Uh, but people are all caught up and they're getting stuff to make. And, I, you know, I bought some stuff too. So for the next couple of days, I don't have to go to the grocery store. But it's so fucking inconvenient. I like to get out and do things. But what can you do? It's a fucking natural natural disaster. Now, I know it's just weather, but when you get 20 inches of snow someplace, it is kind of a natural disaster, especially if it's in some place where they're not used to getting a lot of snow. I remember one time I was in Washington, D.C. for some conference when I was a traffic reporter, and I flew into Washington, D.C. I had some friends that I knew from Minnesota that now lived in in uh, uh, Washington, D.C., and we had dinner in Georgetown, beautiful place, and it started to snow, and people are just fucking freaking out. They're going, man, it's snowing. I go, so what? Well, D.C. doesn't get that kind of snow, and over time, overnight, there was like 14, 15 inches, and cars were fucking buried, and needless to say, that day I was supposed to go home, and the airports were essentially closed. But see, the thing is, if you get 10 or 12 inches or 14 inches here in Minnesota, that day it's kind of screwed up. You're going to have trouble driving. But the plowing systems here are really, really good. So by the next day, you'll be fine. You'll be able to travel. There'll be a lot of snow around, but the roads will be clear. But in the places that aren't used to it, like Washington, D.C., it's going to be a fucking mess for a long time. I remember when the airport finally did open... I went to the hotel and they had a bus, a shuttle that went to the airport. And I said, can I get a shuttle to the airport? Well, they had a shuttle, but the woman driving the bus did not want to drive in this shit. Even though the roads were clear, she was freaked out about it. And I really wanted to get to the airport and I really wanted to get home. So I'm talking to her and negotiating with her a little bit. <clears throat> I said, listen... I'm from Minnesota. Driving in this shit is no big deal. The roads are pretty clear. We'll be fine. How about this? Now, this wouldn't have happened nowadays because of liability and shit like that. I said, listen, we'll go there. I'll give you a big tip. I'll drive the bus because I feel comfortable driving in this shit. She goes, you'd really do that? I go, yeah, fuck yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> so we get on the bus. There's a few people on the bus. This was totally illegal to do. I don't know why she agreed to it. And uh, I drove the bus to the airport. We all got off and said, hey, thank you very much. And then it hit her. 
I got to drive this motherfucker back. It <laughs> should never crossed her mind up until the time we got to the airport. I felt bad for her. I'm sure she got home fine. The roads really weren't that bad compared to what we normally see in Minnesota. So we're going to get hit hard. I'm not going to whine about it because I've seen it before. We'll live through it. Uh, but it annoys me because like I said before, we have this place in Georgia. We got sub-zero temperatures and wind chills and 20 inches of snow potentially. What the fuck am I doing here? Well, I know what I'm doing here. I got my grandkids here. If I could go down there and stay all winter and come back and be a snowbird, I would. But that's just not going to work. If I can't see my grandkids, that ain't going to work. All right. Got some emails. Let's get to them. And the first one comes from Maddie. Now, I don't think Maddie's ever written before. I may be wrong about that because I'm wrong frequently. But this is what she says. She says, hello, Mike. This is my first time reaching out. However, I love your TikToks and your podcasts. I rarely miss a show. I'm not sure if you've heard about the bill currently working its way through the Tennessee legislature, banning anyone from not wearing specific to their gender assigned at birth and making it a felony if you do. This bullshit bill is aimed at the drag community and the transgendered community. I'm a proud transgendered woman and I have been out for years and it scares me and my family all of the bills being passed and proposed to target us and punish us just for existing. My family and I are taking a trip south for a vacation, and we will be passing through Tennessee on 75. And I'm scared to, to the point that we are talking about going out of our way to just avoid the state because we are not sure if I would be arrested just for being in the state. It makes me sad and angry that the people don't understand how hard and how much a transgendered person has to go through just to get permission from the medical community to allow us to medically uh, transmission or transition, I think is what she said. It took me more than a year before I was allowed to get hormone replacement therapy. These assholes think you can walk into a doctor's office or pharmacy and get medicine, let alone have surgery, which takes even longer to get. If you're wanting, I would if you are wanting, I would love to come on your podcast to explain to the viewers just how incredibly hard it is to be transgendered and that ultimately we really just want to be left alone to live our lives. Please let me know if this is something that you would talk about. Thank you. Maddie, P.S. I wrote you asking another question on another topic, but didn't hear back, or I might have missed it or typed something wrong with the email. I hope this one finds you well. Well, I don't know about the previous email. I could have missed it, but I don't think so. Whatever. This one came through, and I'm happy to hear from you. Uh, as far as being a guest on the podcast, well, Maddie, you said that you listened to the podcast, and that is the only qualification for being a guest on the podcast. So absolutely, I would love to have you on the show, and we can talk about uh, your life and the things you're going through. And you know you know why I'm really interested in having you on, Maddie? Because I can't think of anything more that would piss off Trumplicans than having a transgendered person on. And you know that pissing people off is kind of my hobby. So, yeah, by all means, come on. 
I hadn't heard about that legislation in Tennessee, but that is absolute bullshit. So are you telling me if you've got a girl who's not transgendered but happens to be a tomboy and decide to wear a man's suit to some event, she's going to get arrested? That's fucking ridiculous. And then you've got transgendered folks in Tennessee as well as anywhere else. These people are, you know what this reminds me of? I, I remember seeing movies about this. There were movies back in the day, and I'm talking like the 50s, 60s, where being gay was illegal. They'd go in and bust gay bars and arrest people for simply being gay. That's absolutely ridiculous. People talk about freedom all the time. Well, freedom should mean we all get to do whatever the fuck we want, whether we're transgendered or we're heterosexual or homosexual or, or pansexual. I don't, I don't give a fuck who you are. I think I've told this story before. I met somebody, a couple, and they had this aversion to gay people. It was from their religion and such. I think they were Tom and Stacy, something like that. I won't give their last name because I don't remember their last name. They didn't fucking matter to me. But we were in, in discussion about gay people and I guess transgendered people too. And they were telling me how, how that's a sin, an abomination, and how they hate that. And they're going on and on about that. And I said to him, I said, look, man, you know, you're entitled to feel whatever you feel, but that doesn't allow you to infringe on somebody's rights. Well, this is against the Bible, against God. So I thought, how am I going to approach these dumb motherfuckers? And this is what I said. I said, Tom and Stacy, while we're on the topic of sex, what do you guys do in the bedroom? I mean, what kind of kinky shit are you in? Do you got a swing? Do you have toys? What, what's, what's the deal? What do you do? And they looked at me and they go, that's none of your business. I said, exactly. What people do in their own bedrooms, as long as it's legal, is nobody's business. It's not my business to know what kind of freaky, whacked out shit that you do any more than it is your business what people that are transgendered or homosexual do. Once you can realize that, maybe you can realize the error in your ways. Now, they didn't like that. They didn't agree with it. And they walked away angry. And I felt good about that. Like I say, I like pissing people off now and again. So, Maddie, you want to come on the show? Send me an email. Tell me when you're available. I'll send you a Zoom link and you'll be on the fucking show. Guaranteed. All right, this next one comes from James. He says, hey, Mike, you spoke about the derailment the other day, and this brings back memories of the 9-11 uh, attack on the World Trade Center in New York. The EPA declared that the air was safe, and here we are now 22 years later, and people are dying and suffering from toxic air that they were subjected to. It's a shame that nothing has been learned from this horrible mistake by the EPA and politicians. The governor of Ohio is a derelict, is derelict of his duties by not declaring the disaster a state of emergency. Absolutely right. You know, I'm sure there was a point in Flint, Michigan, they said, oh, there's no problem with the water. They did this with 9-11. Part of it may have to do with they 
they just didn't fucking know. They weren't educated enough to understand the long-term effects of what was flying in the air during 9-11. But that's not the case anymore, and that's why what's going on in Ohio is so egregious. We've got toxic fumes and, and, and uh, um, liquid coming from these trains. The Republicans would have you believe that Joe Biden's not doing anything because it's a red state. Well, that's not exactly true. The same day it happened, Joe called the governor and said, listen, man, whatever you need, we'll take care of you. You know, um, announce a state of emergency and we'll get you FEMA, we'll get you CDC, we'll get you EPA, we'll get you everybody out there and we'll get this taken care of. When the governor was interviewed at a press conference later, they said, have you, you know, have you called back Joe Biden and asked for the help that you need? He goes, well, I don't think we need the help, so I haven't called him back yet. If there was a delay in the response to this incident, this train derailment, it's on Governor DeWine of Ohio, not on Joe Biden. Well, eventually Governor DeWine said, yeah, I better get some help. This goes all back to the fact that Republicans don't want Joe Biden to look good, and they will risk people's lives to make sure that doesn't happen up until the time where they can't hide it anymore. He was exposed for being derelict, so now he had to uh, back away from his stance. And I think I told, maybe I told Dewey or whoever I talked to when this happened, this is really akin to um, covid Donald Trump saw COVID as a negative going into the 2020 election, so he decided to act like it didn't happen. It wasn't dangerous. It would go away in a short period of time. And by doing what he did, he was derelict, and he is part of the reason why we had all the shutdowns and why we had a million people die. Unbelievably, this Governor DeWine of Ohio use the same strategy, the same ignorance. Well, if I just say it's not bad, then everybody will believe it and it won't hurt me. And I won't have to go to Joe Biden and make him look good. This was all about ego. This was all about money. This was all about votes. Didn't give one fuck about the health and well-being of his constituents. Well, he was exposed for who he is and now the help is there. But the question is, is how much damage was done while it was delayed because of this fucking governor? It's a sad state of affairs when we have state, state governments, like in Tennessee, making it illegal to dress in clothes that aren't gender appropriate. That's fucking ridiculous. Or some tragedy happens and it affects people all over the area, and just because they don't want to make Joe Biden look good, they put all these people's lives at risk. It's fucked up. And the only thing that can be done is to kick these dumb sons of bitches out of office. And that's going to take people voting. Well, first of all, exposing these people for who they are and showing how they are a danger to your communities. But at the same time, Fucking vote them out, for Christ's sake. How do they keep getting voted in? That's the unfortunate thing. That's all we can really do at this point. Um, all right. The last email comes from 
I don't know if it's pronounced Regan or Reagan. It's R-E-G-A-N. I apologize if I didn't hit it at all. Reagan says, or Regan says, Hi, Mike. I've been listening in your podcast when I get up and uh, walk my two two Bernese mountain dogs named Stella and Murthy about four miles. And that's with chemotherapy. I'm losing faith in the DOJ if we don't get more movement on some justice and accountable at all levels. The system will be in a worse place. Six years is a lot of time, and after Trump was made president, Trump made many of the uninformed, uneducated types like members of his America First or MAGA crowd. Some were profoundly stupid, agreed. Uh, They were from rural states like South Dakota or Wyoming. They would get a steady dose of alt-right and social left. The only socialist in American Senate is popular in his home state um, of Vermont. He's talking about uh, Bernie Sanders. And he's not really a socialist socialist. He's a democratic socialist. And there is a difference. There had been a report of tapes from Capitol Police as on January 6th defendants after the attack on the Capitol. They're all saying they were directed to move on the Capitol by Diaper Don. That's all I got. Best Chris Reagan. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I was I, I was um, giving your last name as your first name. I don't usually give out both names, but since you don't really know how to spell it, it doesn't matter. Anyway, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, we've got, uh, um, well, first of all, two dogs. Bernie's Mountain Dogs. Love fucking dogs. I like all dogs better than most people. Just put it that way. And you're walking four miles. That's incredible. My wife always says you got to walk 10,000 steps to be healthy. And I'll say to her, honey, I just walked 10,000 steps. 10,000 steps in one day? Oh, no, that was for the week. She's not impressed by that. And then you mentioned that you're on chemotherapy, and I wish you the best with your fight against cancer. I know this is a tough time. It sounds like you're still keeping active and putting in a lot of time and doing the work with your walking, walking with your dogs. I wish you the best uh, with your battle with cancer. Anyhow, um, these people were without question incited by Donald Trump and others, you know, Rudy Giuliani and some uh, some of these other fucking idiots. Um, you're absolutely right. And I know you're getting frustrated with the DOJ. Frankly, I'm frustrated with the DOJ at this point as well. I understand that, um, that um, Merrick Garland is methodical. It does seem like Jack Smith has kicked it up a notch and things are starting to happen. Um, But I think we've waited long enough. Things have to start happening. And it does sound like something is going to happen, not necessarily with the DOJ, uh, but uh, Georgia. Georgia, there's little bits and pieces of things coming out. So, uh, Chris, I appreciate you writing 
And uh, I think you're absolutely right, and best of luck with your battle. But <clears throat> you're worried about the DOJ. I'm worried about the DOJ. I'm not completely given up on the DOJ. I think they will come out with some indictments. I think they have no choice. I think there'll be a far bigger backlash if they don't indict as opposed to indicting a former president. I think they know that. There's too much evidence. We as a public know too much of that evidence. They can't sweep it under the rug. They really have no choice but to issue some indictments. And we know that what's going on in Georgia is kind of interesting. We know that Fawny Willis formed a special grand jury where they did the investigation, created a report. That report went to the grand jury, and um, we're expecting some indictments out of it. But because a grand jury is essentially secretive, we really don't know all of what's going on until we heard something from the forewoman of the special grand jury. Now, I don't know if she was supposed to talk or not, but she did. Multiple indictments were recommended by a special grand jury investigating the alleged 2020 presidential election interference by Donald Trump in Georgia. Now, the jury's forewoman revealed in a Tuesday interview, Emily Kaur, she said, it's not a short list. <laughs> She said, as far as the indictment recommendations, but would not reveal any specific names to the New York Times in an interview. When we're talking about Georgia, it can only encompass a certain amount of people. Donald Trump, Lindsey Graham, Rudy Giuliani, um, uh, Mark Meadows, Michael Flynn. It sounds like she's saying there is a long list of indictments coming out, which is interesting. And this is the four person on the special grand jury. They have to recommend indictments. And then it goes to the grand jury and then that issues the indictments. Now, as I've said, the grand jury has a report from the special grand jury a lot of people wanted them to release the entire report so we could see all the facts and who's getting indicted. Well, we know the judge decided, okay, we're only going to release the introduction, the uh, conclusion, and the fact that some of these people that testified were definitely lying. Now, the big question here is whether former President Donald Trump would face an indictment, and Coors' words likely won't inspire a ton of confidence in the Republican supporters. She said, you're not going to be shocked. It's not rocket science, she said, when asked if former president would be indicted. That sounds like to me that Donnie's going to get an indictment. And as I've told you all along, all we need is fucking one. A portion of the report from Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis Grand Jury uh, was made public, as I said. Now, the ironic thing is even though there's no proof and everybody's that knows anything says there was no evidence of election fraud, still Trump continues to claim the 2020 presidential election was won by President Joe Biden through fraud. But no proof of his theories has ever been found. Georgia was one of the states Trump vehemently believed he won in a now infamous phone call, and then 
that when, when, when he called Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, we know that we need to find 11,780 votes. He committed the crime on tape or a hard drive, whatever you want to call it. Now, the grand jury heard extensive testimony on the subject of alleged election fraud from poll workers, investigators, technical experts, and the state of Georgia employees and officials, as well as from persons still claiming that such fraud took place. We find by unanimous vote that no widespread fraud took place in Georgia 2020 presidential election. So that was the other finding in that report. There was absolutely no fraud. Now, we all knew that, but this flies in the face of the likes of Donald Trump and all the other people that continue to talk about election fraud, even though there is no evidence. Apparently, the report recommended multiple indictments, which is good news for us. The Georgia probe is just one part to a mountain of legal troubles that Donald Trump is dealing with. I mean, Georgia's a big problem for Donald Trump, but he's also got New York. He's got the DOJ. He's fucked. Coors said the phone call between Trump and Raffensperger was a primary point of focus in the jury's discussion about alleged election interference. Now, the foreman said they began deliberations with that infamous call. That's how it all started, and that makes sense. That is the smoking gun. The grand jury heard from dozens of witnesses over the course of more than six months. I think it was like 75. And Coors said, I will tell you that if the judges release the recommendations, it is not going to be some giant plot twist. It's not going to be a surprise. That says a lot without saying anything. That means the... The main players are probably in line for getting indictments. And that would be nice. As I've said before, if Georgia or Fulton County and Fonnie Willis come out with the first indictments, that's got to embarrass the DOJ and maybe light a fire under them. I've said before, too, once that first indictment falls, then they'll start coming like an avalanche because everybody... Nobody wants to be the first one to send out the indictment and take whatever beating they might get. But once somebody's already done it, they're going to be feel free and clear to send that shit out. And then it's going to be a shitstorm of indictments, not only for Donald Trump, but all his uh, administration that was involved and all the trump that were involved in the fake electors and all that shit. So sounds like we're getting close. And thanks to uh, Ms. Coors, the foreman of the special grand jury, to giving us a little bit, a little hint here and there. We appreciate it. We'll obviously keep a close eye on it and let you know how everything shakes out. All right, we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back. So you've no doubt heard the story about Kevin McCarthy. And I think this one is going to kick Kevin McCarthy's ass. We know that Fox News has been interested in getting the surveillance video from the Capitol on January 6th. I'm guessing a lot of media would like to see it. But Tucker Carlson and Fox News have 
been suggesting that will show what really happened. As if all that other video where people are getting clubbed with flagpoles and sprayed with bear spray and stuff doesn't exist. Somehow they can they can uh, debate those videos with, I don't know, a hallway that's empty or something like that. So what does Kevin McCarthy do? And this is a weird situation. Kevin McCarthy has gotten all kinds of heat from Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson has talked a lot of shit about Kevin McCarthy, and he's deserved it, frankly. So Kevin McCarthy then hands off 41,000 hours of security footage from January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol, not to all of the media, not to the general public, not to the DOJ, but to Fox News host Tucker Carlson. He says, Tucker, here's all 41,000 hours of the surveillance security footage from January 6th in the U.S. Capitol. House Democratic leader Hakeem Jeffries, who I love, puts the Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, on blast Tuesday for handing over those 41,000 hours of security footage. I would love to see a debate between Hakeem Jeffries and Kevin McCarthy. Kevin McCarthy would be stomped into an oil spot by Hakeem Jeffries. Jeffries wrote McCarthy a Dear Colleague letter and accused the Republican leader of endangering Capitol Police officers by giving Carlson exclusive access to the footage. Hakeem Jeffries said, I write with respect to public reports that extreme MAGA Republicans in the House have provided tens of thousands of hours of sensitive Capitol security footage to a Fox News personality who regularly peddles in conspiracy theories and pro-Putin rhetoric, Jeffries began, referring to Carlson. And that just seemed weird. He didn't give it over to Fox News. He gave it specifically to Tucker Carlson, who would spend a lot of time talking shit about Kevin McCarthy. What a fucking laptop. What a lapdog. He's trying to appease Tucker Carlson, hopefully trying to get positive publicity. But positive publicity from a news source, and I use that term loosely, who has now been proven to lie at every turn on the air. It's absolutely ridiculous that he did this, and it's dangerous. Now, um, Hakeem Jeffries went on to say, at present, we're working to confirm the precise nature of the video transfer, particularly as it relates to the events connected to the violent insurrection on January 6th. The apparent transfer of video footage represents an egregious security breach that endangers the hardworking women and men of the United States Capitol Police who valiantly defended our democracy with their lives at risk on that fateful day, he continued. He also added, over the past two years, the bipartisan members of the January 6th committee were able to diligently review the security footage in question with numerous protocols in place to protect the safety of the members, police officers, and staff who were targeted during the violent insurrection. There is no indication that these same precautionary measures have been taken in connection with the transmission of the video footage at issue. Just handed them over. Well, let's keep in mind, these are fucks 
like Donald Trump, that will take classified documents and store them in their bathroom. The Washington Post Jacqueline Almany reported Tuesday on the steps taken by the House January 6th Committee to protect the privacy of police officers. Almany uh, noted on Twitter that the committee members had access to a special dedicated terminal installed in the committee office that had password protected access to the volume of the footage. The committee also asked for permission from USCP, U.S. Capitol Police, before they used any of the footage in the public hearings. You see, you have to understand this does pose a security problem because they very specifically, the January 6th committee, didn't show all the footage. I mean, they didn't want to show where Nancy Pelosi went to find safety in whatever office she went to and what route she took in the hallways. You can understand how that would be an uh, issue with security. But now by just handing it all over to Tucker Carlson, who's a known liar, who's a known piece of shit, that can cause some problems. Carlson has been a leading figure on the hard right promoting the idea that the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol was an inside job meant to act as pretext to weaponize federal law enforcement against Trump supporters. Critics claim that such conspiracy theories have led to an increase in threats and targeting of law enforcement. And, you know, here's the thing. They keep saying, oh, it's Nancy Pelosi, it's Antifa. How does that make any sense? The Democratic candidate won the presidency. On this day, on January 6th, they were going to certify his election. Why would Nancy Pelosi, Antifa, or whoever the fuck that was on the left side of the aisle want to infringe on that, want to obstruct that? See, that's the thing. They have these ridiculous arguments that make no fucking sense. They just repeat them over and over again, and some dumb fucks will believe it. Now, the U.S. government has, in fact, launched a new war on terror, but it's not against al-Qaeda. It's against American citizens. Nothing like this has ever happened in the history of our country. This is an attack on core civil liberties, and and it's essential that you know what's happening and that you resist it, Carlson said, Tucker, on October 2021, while promoting his highly controversial series, Patriot Purge. That was a special special show that he did that was full of lies. You know, it's funny. He's worried about people's civil rights, but apparently he doesn't give two shits about trying to overthrow the country. you got to understand Tucker Carlson. He's a privileged kid. He had a lot of money. He goes on. His only interest is making money, so he will lie on the air just to appease the Trumplefucks that watch him. He doesn't care if he's lying. He doesn't care if he incites shit in this country. And if there is one or two people that should be taken down one way or another, Sean Hannity and Tucker Carlson. You might say Laura Ingram, too, but her ratings aren't that great. Sean Hannity and Tucker Carlson reach a large number of people. And for them to spew the ignorance and the lies that they do, they are not only bad broadcasters, they are not only the opposite of news people, but they are a danger to this country. 
We know that Fox is getting sued by Dominion, but you got to believe there might be some laws they broke in the process. And I hope against hope that the DOJ gifts them with an indictment at some point. Maybe that will fucking back them up a little bit. want to talk about Joe Biden because Dark Brandon came out with Joe Biden. You know, Republicans want to say that Joe Biden uh, is inarticulate, maybe has dementia, doesn't have any courage. But I got to tell you, Joe Biden has showed more courage as a president than we've seen in a long, long, long time. As I told you before, Joe Biden by surprise, showed up in Ukraine, Kiev, to meet with President Zelensky. Now, you got to understand that uh, Kiev in Ukraine, that's a fucking war zone. And our president went there, risking a lot just to show support of, uh, of, of Ukraine. And then from that point, he went to Poland to give a speech. Now, this is literally in the backyard of Russia. Now, Joe Biden is not only showing support for Ukraine, but he's also rubbing Vladimir Putin's face in it. This showed a lot of disrespect. And to be perfectly honest with you, Vladimir Putin has earned all the dis- disrespect he can get. But he gave this speech in Poland, and he didn't shy away from Vladimir Putin. He mentioned his name, and he directed his comments to Vladimir Putin, which has got to make a motherfucker mad, and I hope he gets mad. Biden returning on Tuesday to the Polish castle where he spoke shortly after the Russian invasion of Ukraine last year, said the war had hardened Western resolve to defend democracy around the globe. He warned there are hard and bitter days ahead, but pledged that the United States and its allies would have Ukraine's back as the war enters its second year. He said democracies of the world will stand guard over freedom today, tomorrow, and forever. He said at the Royal Castle, a historical landmark in Warsaw, Poland, before a cheering crowd of Polish citizens and Ukrainian refugees. That took a lot of courage, not only to go to Ukraine, but to go to Poland and call out Vladimir Putin. I guarantee you Donald Trump would never have done such a thing. He's more likely to uh, go to Moscow and kiss Vladimir Putin's ass. So Vladimir Putin is experiencing something he's never experienced before. Somebody pushing back. And it's about fucking time. Biden's speech came one day after his daring unannounced trip to Kiev, as I said. Biden declared, Kiev stands strong. Kiev stands proud. Before his speech, Biden met with Polish President uh, Duda as he began a series of consultations with allies preparing for an even more complicated stage of the Russian invasion. Biden said, we have security in Europe at the presidential palace in Warsaw. It's that basic, that simple, that consequential. 
He described NATO as maybe the most consequential alliance in history, and he said it's stronger than it's ever been, despite Russian President Vladimir Putin hopes that it would fracture over the war in Ukraine, not to mention Donald Trump's efforts to fracture NATO. Once again, Donald Trump failed. Vladimir Putin has failed. Now, earlier Tuesday, Putin announced that Moscow would suspend its participation in the last remaining nuclear arms control pact with the United States. Now, that's kind of big news, but this is classic Vladimir Putin. He is a bully, so he makes threats, and suspending participation in this pact uh, is supposed to make everybody worried and concerned, and his bully tactic is to keep pushing until you back down and let him have his way. Well, I can guarantee you Joe Biden's not going to fucking do that. Fact of the matter is they didn't really follow the pact all that closely anyway. And secondly, they're not getting out of it. He didn't have the courage to do that. He said, we're suspending it. But they did say that they're going to follow the rules through 2026. So, you know, we're talking three years away. They're really not doing anything. They're just making this threat, rattling a saber, if you will. You better watch out or we're going to get nuclear if you don't do what we tell you. Well, Joe Biden isn't buying that shit. Neither are the NATO countries. The so-called New START treaty caps the number of long-range nuclear warheads that they can deploy and limits the use of missiles that can carry atomic weapons. Biden laid into Putin throughout the speech but did not mention the START suspension. Duda, in his meeting with Biden, praised the American president's unannounced visit to Kiev as spectacular, saying it boosted morale of Ukraine defenders. Now, as I say, um, Vladimir Putin was embarrassed and, and pissed off about this. He accused Western countries Tuesday of igniting and sustaining the war in Ukraine, dismissing any blame for Moscow almost a year after the Kremlin's unprovoked invasion of its neighbors that has killed tens of thousands of people, not only, Ukraine, not only Ukrainians, but also Russians. See, this is what, what is typical of the Donald Trumps or the Vladimir Putins. They do something egregious and they say, no, it's your fault. Well, Joe Biden was very clear when he was speaking. He said to the, uh, to the people of Russia, assuming they could hear him, and, and I don't know that they can. They, they pretty much cut off and censor everything that goes through or goes into Russia. But uh, Putin cast Russia and Ukraine as victims of the Western's double dealing and said Russia, not Ukraine, was the one fighting for its very existence. You see, Donald Trump said, not Donald Trump, I'm sorry, uh, Joe Biden said, look, Vladimir Putin could end this war with one word, but if Ukraine gives in, they would cease to exist. So he was responding to what Joe said. Putin said, we aren't fighting the Ukrainian people, he said in a speech before the 
first anniversary on Friday, Ukraine has become hostage of the Kiev regime and its Western masters, which have effectively occupied the country. Now, none of that is true. None of it has ever been proved. I had somebody come on a TikTok that I posted about this war. Uh, I believe it was an African-American man. He says, yeah, but no one's talking about how Ukraine has dealt with people of color. And I'll, I'll give you that. I don't know anything about that. Maybe I should. And maybe they need to be pressured to be a little humanitarian as well. Maybe that's true. But that doesn't justify invading a country unprovoked and killing tens of thousands of people, both Ukrainians and Russia. If you're mad at Ukraine about how they deal with uh, people of color, I get that. And that's something that needs to be addressed. But first, we got to stop this fucking war because this is ridiculous. It's not just people of color dying in this war. It's white people. It's Ukrainian people. It's Russian people. We got to put out the uh, dumpster fire and then we can deal with the other problems there are. And no doubt there probably is problems with Ukraine, but it doesn't justify just giving Russia a free hand to do whatever the fuck they want to innocent people. Now, the speech reiterated a litany of grievances that the Russian leader has frequently offered as justification for the uh, condemned war. Observers are expected to scour it for signs of how Putin sees the conflict, which has become bogged down. Russia's not doing well. And what tone he might set for the year ahead. The Russian leader vowed no military let-up in Ukraine territories. He has illegally annexed, apparently rejecting any peace overtures in a conflict that has reawakened fears of the new Cold War. I, I, you know, I got to tell you, Russia isn't as strong as they were during the Cold War. I was alive during the Cold War. It was a scary time. We were always on edge just thinking, well, the nuclear war is just around the corner. As I get older and I understand politics and the international ramifications, I'm not as concerned about the possibility of nuclear war uh, because it involves mutual destruction. If they did something to America or Ukraine or whatever, the entire country of Russia could be fucking vaporized by NATO and America. They know this. They talk some shit, but they don't buy it. They don't buy into it because they know better. And that's why they only push it to a certain extent, and then they back away from it. Now, Putin said, Western elites aren't trying to conceal their goals to inflict a strategic defeat of Russia. Putin said in a speech broadcast on all the state channels. Now, of course, this was his state of the state union, and he's trying to gaslight people and get them to understand that Russia's the victim here. Sound familiar? Sound like Donald Trump? You do all this egregious stuff, and then when you get caught, you say, oh, well, I'm the victim. Fuck you. Somebody needs to take out Putin. I'll be honest with you. That would be the first step. I don't know how that is possible. 
But if Putin were out of the way, things would be a lot easier to deal with with this Ukrainian war. They intend to transform the local conflict into a global confrontation. He added that Russia is prepared to respond to that as it will be a matter of our country's existence. See, there you go. There's the threat. While the Constitution mandates that the president deliver the speech annually, Putin never gave one in 2022, oddly enough, as his troops rolled into Ukraine and suffered repeated setbacks. Before the speech, Kremlin spokesman Dmitry Peskov said that the Russian leader would focus on the special military operation in Ukraine, as Moscow calls it, and Russia's economy and social issues. Many observers predicted it would also address Moscow's fallout with the West, and Putin began with strong words for those countries. Now, the thing you have to understand, they're not only losing thousands of Russian military, they're not gaining any more ground anymore. In fact, they're getting pushed back in many ways. We know that they're going to start to get more planes and long-range missiles from NATO countries, including the United States. The United States giving them a lot of money as well. Russia is not doing well in this war. And Vladimir Putin is in a spot because he's a narcissist, because he's arrogant. He refuses to back down no matter what, no matter how bad a shape he's in. So I'm afraid what's going to have to happen, either Putin gets taken out of this situation or the Russians continue to get pummeled by Ukraine until such point where they just can't fight anymore. Now, the problem with Russia is they've got all kinds of troops These troops aren't people that want to fight. They're dragging them into the draft and putting them on the front lines. And that's not going well. We've heard about Russians uh, surrendering and just trying to get out of Russia because of how they're being treated. The Russian military isn't as good as we thought. And the people that are in the Russian military are not being treated very well. All right, let's talk about Marjorie Taylor Greene briefly. She is a stupid bitch. There is no question about it. Now, Representative Greene explained in detail on Tuesday how her vision for a national divorce would work. Remember when she said that? She said the red states and the blue states should be separate. And I said, good, let's do that. Because the red states get the vast majority of the welfare, and that money comes from the blue states. So if you want to be on your own, go be on your fucking own. You will flounder just like the Republican Party is floundering now. On Monday, Green's repeated calls for a national divorce raised concerns that she wanted a new civil war, which is exactly what it sounds like. But on Tuesday, she insisted she was not calling for violence. Oh, really? This is the same woman that said, had she been in charge with January 6th, we would have won and we would have brought guns. But she isn't interested in violence. Fuck you. She went on to say why the left and right should consider a national divorce, not a civil war, but a legal agreement to separate our ideology and political disagreements by states while maintaining our legal union, she wrote on Twitter. Tragically, I think we... The left and the right have reached 
irreconcilable differences. I would say that's probably true. The problem is the right is fucking wrong and the left is right. There is no compromise there. Somebody who's dealing with the truth and justice cannot compromise with somebody who is wrong dealing with lies and wants violence. There is no compromise there. It's one way or the other. And if she wants to separate the blue states from the red states, guess what's going to happen? Fucking red states will end up like a third world country begging for money, begging for food, begging for help. And if they actually created this separation, in spite of the fact it's not the Christian way to do it, I would say blue states give them fucking nothing. They're the ones that want to destroy our union. So fuck them. Now, she's speaking for conservatives. She said she was absolutely disgusted and fed up with the left cramming and forcing their ways on us and our children with no respect to our religion, faith, traditional values, and economic and government policy beliefs. I always love how they bring religion into this. First of all, in the Constitution, doesn't it say separation of church and state? They want the church involved in politics, and that is a fucking dumb idea. Look back in history. Who's been responsible for more deaths by the millions in history? Fucking religion. We don't want them in our politics. Our forefathers didn't want that in our politics. But these red fucks do want them involved in politics. And it's a bad fucking idea. Besides that, they, they keep espousing Christianity and, and the Bible Apparently, they haven't read the Bible because many of the things they do are contrary to what the Bible teaches. They're not serious people. They're not serious leaders. So how can we take them serious at all? Now, in the series of tweets, she described the benefits of a so-called national divorce. Most federal government agencies would be eliminated in the scenario. Well, they might be for the red states, but not the blue states. And if you're not going to provide any help to the people in the red states, why would they pay taxes? How about they just don't pay taxes and the government does nothing? See how long that lasts, you dumb bitch. I can't, you know, you can't even take her seriously because what she's saying is so stupid. She says a national divorce would require a much smaller federal government with more power given to the states, she said. Hence, we would solve our debt and spending problems immediately. Green predicted red states would strip rights from transgendered people. Well, transgendered people wouldn't live in red states. See, what she doesn't understand is she thinks everything's going to go the same way if the red and blue states split. As somebody who is more left-leaning, lives in a blue state, fucking do it. Wisconsin is a red state. You want to be on your own, motherfucker? Go ahead. Iowa's kind of a red state. You want to be on your own? Uh, on your own? Okay. But don't come to fucking Minnesota for help because we ain't giving it to you. Of course, interstate trade, travel, and state relations would continue. Would it? Who wants to travel to a red state? If you want to live the way you want to live. However, in red states, they could have different rules about store product placement on national store shelves in red states. I highly doubt Walmart could place sex toys next to children's toothbrushes. Now, I don't go to Walmart a lot. 
not only haven't I seen sex toys next to toothbrushes, I don't think Walmart sells sex toys. This is how stupid she is. She goes on to say, and in blue states, they would immediately disarm their citizens, of course, because those bad guns get up and kill people by themselves all the time. (laughs) Green remarked, in a national divorce, the left could achieve their dreams of total and complete lawlessness. The thing about it is, she says this, no way it's going to happen. No one is going to back that because anybody that's in a red state knows exactly what would occur. But I would like to see it for like a week or a month. Go ahead, red state. Do your thing. Show us, show us how smart you are. Well, they would come crawling back so quickly because they can't run fucking anything. All they do is fail. But see, this this is where the problem is. Marjorie Taylor Greene is stupid, and she's a nutcase. But yet she's considered a leader in the Republican Party. If this woman is a leader in the Republican Party, how can you take her or any Republicans fucking seriously? You can't. You can't take them seriously. Now, as much as the Republicans are looking for power, we had some good news yesterday. State lawmaker and lawyer Jennifer McClellan will be the first black woman to represent Virginia in Congress after easily winning a special election Tuesday in the Richmond Area 4th District. A Democratic state senator, McClellan was the leading was leading Republican Leon Benjamin, Sr., a pastor of New Life Harvest Church. Of course he was. She led him 67 to 33 percent when the Associated Press called the race at 722. The Republican did not even get fucking close. So we've got another person in the House of Representatives, another Democrat. McClellan's about 50 years old. She'll be in the minority party in the House for now. But the self-described pragmatic progressive said she learned to find common ground with lawmakers across the aisle after beginning her first term in the Republican-controlled State House of Delegates at age 33. So she's been doing this kind of business for a while. That's where I learned if I ever am going to get anything done, I need to understand where these white male Republicans over 50 are coming from and why they believe they believe. And I have not, I have not to be afraid to share my perspective. McClellan will serve the remainder of the term of the late Representative A. Donald McEachin, who died on November 28th, less than three weeks after beating Benjamin by 30 percentage points. Isn't that interesting? The incumbent beat uh, the Republican by 30 percent, but this lady beat that same Republican, Jennifer McClellan, beat the uh, uh, gentleman that was beaten, well, Republican Leon Benjamin, the pastor, beat him by 67%. 
You think people are getting tired of fucking Republicans? Oh, yes, I think they are. Now, that doesn't give them an extra seat in the House because the guy who died was a Democrat. So we just maintain status quo at this point. But that election says a lot. It says a lot. When when the uh, first candidate, Donald McEachin, won the race, he won by 30%. Then he died on November 28th. They have the special election. Now they have this woman, McClellan, come in, and she beats the same guy by 67%. Is that a sign of things to come? I think it might be. So it doesn't help us in the House any more than we've already been, but... It doesn't hurt. You know what I'm saying? All right, we're going to wrap things up for the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you very much for taking the time out of your day to listen. I'm going to be sitting in my condo for the next three fucking days because of 20 inches of snow possible. So we'll be back again tomorrow. I hope you have a great day. And again, go check uh, the Dewey Show podcast. I I, I was a guest on his last show and... Um, It was a good show, so check it out. So have yourself a great day, and we will talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.